John, and John says, no, 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 I can't water baptize you. Jesus, you must baptize me. And Jesus says, John, you're not understanding this. You must baptize me because I discovered something in the scripture. So when I get water baptized, that which I've discovered can come to pass in my life. Are you getting that? That all righteousness may be fulfilled. That's what Jesus said. It is written, John, you maybe not understand it, but it is written in Isaiah that if I am going to, uh, when I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to receive power to accomplish my call or my purpose or my destiny. Now, if, if this is important for Jesus, for Jesus... Wouldn't you all agree that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is important for each and every one of us in this room? And I know that, you know, some people say, ah, you know, you Pentecostals, you always take this thing too far, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But there is a truth that most people haven't grasped yet, that we need the baptism. The water baptism is the first step of obedience. But the second thing I want to tell you right now, you must receive the Holy Spirit. There should have been a 100% amen here. You must receive the, well, I don't like that speaking in tongues thing. You know, I think that's just, you know, stupid. Well, my people perish because of the lack of knowledge, the Bible says. Well, I don't like this. What's this thing about people falling over? You don't understand. That's why you would, you would find it strange or, or you, you couldn't identify that. But once you've identified, you've learned, you've studied, and you get the revelation of what the Scripture says, then you're going to say, yes, I want that. I want that. I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, have nothing to do. Listen, everything that Jesus did comes from God, and everything that we do is coming from God. There is nothing that happens in this room that is not in the Scripture. Who can say amen? Nothing. There is nothing, you know, extraordinary or anything that's weird. I find it weird if you're not doing it. I find it strange. Why are you not operating in the power of God like Jesus is? You, you get what I'm trying to say. So many times people are sitting there and they're judging this way. But the opposite is also, you know, all of us are called to operate in the supernatural. Now, the thing is, but I don't know how well that's what I'm trying to teach you. So here are seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11 verse 2 says this. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Somebody say with me, upon him. Upon him. Say it again. Him. Not in him, upon him. Not in him, upon him. What's the difference? When you receive salvation and you invite God, we've seen last night a whole bunch of people give their hearts to Jesus on Sunday. And I know it's rededications, there's new first-time commitments. But the fact of the matter is when you say, Jesus, come and live in my heart, it's not just Jesus. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit because they're three in one. Who agrees? God comes and lives inside of each and every one of us. So... When you receive salvation, do you receive the Holy Spirit as well? Yes, but in salvation, not in empowerment. 
It's not, it's not empowering you to cast out the devils and to, you know, heal the sick and blah, blah, blah. It is, it is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that he empowers you. Here we find Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. Or it, it, it is prophesied, sorry. He says, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, why do I lay hands on all of you every night? Why, you know, is it, is it a matter of, hey, let's go forward and fall down? Is that, is, is that how some people perceive these meetings to be? Hey, Brother Dion's coming. We're going to get a tickle and fall down and laugh a little bit, you know, and then we're going to feel drunk and go home and say, whoopee, that was nice. If, if that is how you perceive the meetings to be, I don't want to lay hands on you. Is that fair for me to say that? Yes. Somebody say, well, I, you know, you, you, I don't like that. No. You, you come to these meetings so that God can equip you, that God can empower you to get out there and do the works of Jesus. Yeah. See, now the amens are gone now. <laughs> you are coming here. You are listening to my message. And when I lay hands on you, I am believing God that he's baptizing you, that he's empowering you, that his spirit will come upon you, equip you, and use you. Yeah. That's the purpose. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time. It's no good, you know. It's like winning the, the, the jackpot and you win 10 million, you know, 100 million dollars and you never spend one cent of it. What's the point? What's the point? You, you, you're super rich but you die poor. So we find many people who are super rich in church but they're dying spiritually. They're poor spiritually because they're not exercising what they get. So number one, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That word there, Spirit, is the, the Hebrew word ruach. Say with me, ruach. You've got to say the ruach. <laughs> ruach means the breath of God. So when he talks about ruach, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, I like another word, and there's many words, and I'm going to try and get to this tomorrow and on Friday because I want to teach a little bit more on the Holy Ghost. But ruach, the breath of God, is called the Holy Spirit. Say with me, the Holy Spirit. Say it again. He's not an unclean spirit. He's not a demon spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. If anybody, I see a lot of the young ones and people are taking notes, you can make a cross-reference there. And you can write the Holy Spirit, reference John 16, verse 7, 8, and 9. But I'll quote it to you. John 16 says, Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I, or when I go away, the helper, the comforter, or the Holy Spirit will come. And when he has come... Remember this, there are three things the Holy Spirit's going to do. Number one, he will bring conviction of sin. John 16, 7, you can read it. I'll, I'll teach on it another time. But he will bring conviction of sin. So what is the number one purpose of the Holy Spirit? It is to produce holiness inside of us. Can I say that again? The number one purpose of the Holy Spirit is to produce holiness. Holiness. How do you and I become holy? By being 
righteous, by being in right standing before God. How do we get into right standing or live a righteous life? We take the word, study the word, and apply what the word says. And that's why a lot of people don't read the Bible. Because if Satan can stop you from studying the Bible, reading the Bible, then you know what? He's got the victory over your life. Look, man, I can stand here and preach about cigarettes, and I can tell you smoking, you know, is wrong, and you shouldn't do that, and, and, I, can, and, and I say that you know me, I preach on that so many times, but I can, I can tell you funny things like if God wanted you to smoke, you would have turned your nose upside down, you can function like a chimney, you know. <laughs> uh, I, you, you, you know I can preach on alcohol, and I can preach on, on drugs, and, and all of that, but you, you can just sit there and look at me and say, mm, unless you go to the Bible and you read the Word and God speaks to you through the Word, I cannot convince you that what you are doing is wrong. Can I say that again? I cannot convince you that what I just spoke about is wrong. God is the one When we read this Bible, with the help of the Holy Spirit, He opens our eyes. We see revelation from the Scripture. Understanding comes, and the Holy Spirit begins to produce holiness in us. That means we become in right standing with God the Father. Turn to your neighbor and say, you must read your Bible. Your neighbor didn't want to hear that. Say it again. Come on, tell your neighbor, you must read your Bible. Read your Bible. Now I like that, getting some amens there. So what's the first attribute? Remember, he's speaking about seven spirits. So what are these seven functions of the Holy Spirit? Number one, he produces holiness in us. He produces holiness in us. Number two, he is the spirit of wisdom. How many of you know God is all wise? God knows everything. So when you and I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the wisdom of, the, of God inside of us. We become super clever. It doesn't feel like that. We don't see the fruits of it. But listen, who lives inside of us? Who lives inside of us? God, God, the Holy Spirit, they live inside of me. So when the Bible says, I have the mind of Christ, I'm not lying. Because God lives in me, He lives in you, we have His mind. So turn to your neighbor and say this. I know, um, maybe I'm not allowed to say this, but you know me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not stupid. (laughs) Come on, you're not stupid. (laughs) You have the mind of Christ. Who agrees? Come on, I didn't get one happy amen here. Come on, we have Jesus living in us. We have his mind. We have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That's why I said to you the other night, you need not that anyone teach you, but the same spirit, you know, that was in Christ, that anointing is in us and he can teach us. Does the, am I telling you now not to go and study? No, that's not what I'm saying. Go and study. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit helps us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit brings to back to remembrance that which we've learned, experienced, or seen. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm trying to say. 
So the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will rest upon him. So he produces holiness. He is the spirit of wisdom. He is all wise. He'll teach us wisdom. Number three, he is the spirit of understanding. Somebody say understanding. A good king, a good leader needs to understand his people to be able to rule and to reign. Number four, he is the spirit of counsel. I love that one. He's the spirit of counsel. So the Holy Spirit teaches us how to counsel, how to speak with people. Number five, he is the spirit of might. Somebody say might. This is where Acts 1.8 comes in. You shall receive power. That might, power, dunamis, explosive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Acts 1.8. Okay, how many of you get this? So he gives us power. He gives us counsel. He gives us understanding. He gives us wisdom. But not only that, he is the spirit of knowledge. He knows all things. Now, I don't know about you. When I read stuff like this, I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, Jesus, give me all that, please. Who can say amen? Lord, hey, my, I got a peanut brain, man. You know, I, 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 I'm very childlike in my thinking, Lord. You know, I'm not all that clever. But, Lord, I understand that when the Holy Spirit is going to come upon me, my goodness, I'm going to get a promotion. Come on, who agrees? I'm going to get a promotion. Bless the Lord. I always say to people, I have a PhD, hallelujah. You know what my PhD is? Preaching, healing, and deliverance. Bless God, I have, a, <laughs> I have a PhD in the Lord. Some of them got it, some of them didn't get it, but that's fine. He is the spirit of counsel, might. He is the spirit of knowledge. And number seven, he is the fear of the Lord. Somebody say the fear of the Lord. Okay. So if you understand now, Jesus receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to Matthew 3 because I just want to bring this in. I, I had a little revelation I want to share with you tonight. And then I'm not going to keep you all night long tonight. I know some of you are tired. Verse 13 says, this is Matthew 3, 13 again. <clears throat> then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And he tried, John tried to prevent him and said, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. And Jesus answered and said, permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Now when Jesus had been, uh, sorry, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Now watch this. And behold the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So they saw what appeared to be a form of a dove. Now the Holy Spirit isn't a dove. The Holy Spirit is God. Who can say amen? The Holy Spirit isn't a feeling. The Holy Spirit isn't falling down. The Holy Spirit isn't speaking in tongues. He is God. He has a personality. Can you say amen? amen. I, get, I get so mad when I people, hear people speak about the Holy Spirit as it. It. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is God. And He has His own personality. And the Holy Spirit can really be grieved. We can grieve Him. We can hurt Him. We can offend Him. 
And you know what is even more than that? And, and I'm jumping the gun now, but Jesus said this. He said, you can speak bad about God the Father. You can speak bad about me. He said, but don't you dare speak bad about the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare speak bad about him. And if you don't know this, which I think you do, but if you don't know this, physically, God the Father is now in heaven. Physically, Jesus Christ is seated next to him. Where's the Holy Spirit then? Here on the earth. So the Holy Spirit is very much present in this room. Why? Because where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, there he is. Can somebody say amen? So he's here. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit just like that. We can grieve him. We've got to be very sensitive, and I am. I love the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, please don't offend the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, how do you offend the Holy Spirit? No, you don't have to say that. <laughs> but you know, a little common question. How, how can we offend or grieve the Holy Spirit when we make a mockery of him? When we make a mockery of him. How do we make a mockery of him? When we laugh at the things he would do to people. So I've seen this in, 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 my, in my 28 years of ministry, and we've had revivals break out, and we've seen it in this church, and, and God's Spirit would begin to move, and you know somebody would begin to cry because the presence of God comes upon. How many of you had that? You just weep in His presence, you know? And then some people would laugh and say, ha, 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 look how stupid it is. Or some people would fall out under the power and say, that's ridiculous, they're being hypnotized. Or, you know, saying stuff like that would bring grievance to the Holy Spirit. Or somebody, you know, is laughing and, and they're having an encounter with God. And then somebody would make a mockery of that person who's having this encounter. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, I can really, you know, while I'm being bold enough to preach on this now. You know, even, even little stuff like when we're worshiping God and you're walking around during the service. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. For you young ones here, I'm for it. Jump, shout, go for it. But don't, don't when I'm jumping and shouting, I'm not doing it because it's, it's fun. I'm actually worshiping Jesus. Now, if I'm jumping and I keep bumping the guy next to me, you know the marsh pit that you guys are doing? I know you're going to say, hey, man, don't, ah, oh, you, you know, you're old-fashioned. But I, I just want you to think. I'm not telling you, you, you figure it out on your own. But when I'm jumping your hand and I, boom, hit this guy, and this guy's worshiping Jesus, and there he goes, away is the focus of Jesus. And now the focus is on my buddy who's bouncing around up and down. I'm bouncing with him. I'm not against that. But guess what's happening? Uh, the, the focus of God is being taken away and being put on me. Pastor James, am I right saying that? And I know you'd say, oh, you're just old-fashioned and tradition. No, I jump till the sweat gets off me. And I do that. But my focus is always on him. My focus is not on my friends around me. My focus is on him. Who agrees? And when I'm worshiping, I'm not going to look around, you know, and, you know, what's my friends doing? And I quickly got to run to the toilet. No, you don't need to run to the toilet. Well, thanks for that, amen. 
Go before the service. Amen? So now I'm speaking like a daddy again. But I have to love my children. Let's face it. We, we grieve the Holy Spirit sometimes. Do you know what grieves me? And I know grieves the Holy Spirit when an altar call is made for salvation and people get up and go out. Man, that ticks me off. Well, that's me. But I do know, here's the man sitting in the pew, and he's trying to hear my voice, but now somebody next to him, excuse me, can, excuse me, I just want to get out of here now. And that guy's focus is gone from Jesus, and he now sees this person walking past him, you know, and, the, and he, he misses, lift your hand up if you, and you give your heart to Jesus. He misses that. And that person goes out, and he says, man, I wanted to give it, but, you know, I just, you know, I just, well, I didn't do it, and. He gets in a car accident, dies, and he misses the Lord because we were too busy about our own self grieving the Holy Spirit. Is it okay if I teach tonight? Come on, do you love me? If you don't build a bridge and get over it, it's okay. But we mustn't grieve him. I said we mustn't grieve him. We have to be, as a church, so we've got to be so focused on at the, at the moment that we're in. When the worship team is leading in worship, and, and, you know, and, and when Kate's on the keyboard, and, and apparently the song's finished, but you know, she's, just, she, she's still flowing because she's the leader, you understand? Or whoever's leading, and, and now they're singing in the spirit, and you're standing and saying, oh, you know, I'm tired, I'm just going to sit down, and I'm just... No, you're grieving him. Let us be mature enough to say, okay, Lord, I see you, you're doing something. Maybe I'm tired, but you know what? I'm going to bring a sacrifice, and I'm going to put my hand up. Because it's called a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice. Of, I don't want to stand. I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to clap my hands. But you know what? Lord, it's because of you. I'm doing it for you, Lord. And I know our flesh, the Bible says the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, but we've got to allow our spirit to overshadow our flesh. Who can say amen? My flesh has to submit to my spirit. Well, we don't do that where we come from. Well, tough luck. You're here now. And when you come here, you do what the Bible says because what we are doing is not out of line of what God's word says. Is that true? Do you believe that? So come on, let's mature in our relationship with God. Go for God 100%, but always keep the focus on Him, not on me. Amen. So the Bible says, or the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in the form of a dove. So we see the first symbol is the symbol of a dove. Go to Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit is being the symbol of a dove. First form coming upon Jesus in the New Testament. But in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And watch this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, if I, if I get this mental picture of the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the earth, I could just imagine a, a dove hovering over its chicks and its eggs. 
who, who gets what I'm trying to say. So the Holy Spirit has been present from the beginning. From day one, the Holy Spirit has been here, but he's been hovering over the face of the earth like the figure of a mother dove, just there, full of love and peace, you know, building a nest, preparing a home for mankind to live in. The Holy Spirit's preparing this, this wonderful earth, this place that we are living in. The Holy Spirit was there getting it ready. Now we understand that when you go to, maybe we can get, uh, if you can, Genesis chapter 8 on. Because now a whole bunch of stuff happens and thing goes wrong, you know, things go wrong. And so God comes and he sends a flood and destroys the earth because of the sin and the stuff that was happening. So in Genesis chapter 8, Genesis chapter 8 uh, verse 6. It's just an interesting story, and I wanted to share this with you tonight. It says, so it came to pass at the end of 40 days. Now, have you remember God spoke to Noah to build an ark? Who remembers that? And all the animals went in there. So verse 6, after the rain had now uh, subsided, it says, so it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. <clears throat> Maybe this will sound strange to some people or would sound uh, um, offensive even, I don't know. But did you know that a raven is the symbol of, of the devil? R ravens are used, crows are used always in the area of, of darkness. But the Holy Spirit is the symbol of God. Amen. Now verse 7 says, He sent this raven out which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up. Verse 8. And he also sent out from himself a dove. So here we find in Genesis chapter 8 again the symbol of a dove, you know, representing the Holy Spirit, sending this dove out to see if the waters had recited from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were uh, on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand, and he took her in, and he drew her into the ark himself. This, I, you know, when I studied this, I think when we read this portion, there are three dispensations of the Holy Spirit in that time that we can compare to within the time that we are living. And so the first dispensation is in the Old Testament time, you know, that when, when the dove was sent out and it came back, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament times would go out and then would have to return back to God. There wasn't a place for the Holy Spirit to reside and make his home, his nest in. Who, who understands what I'm saying? So in the Old Testament, God would anoint some kings and would anoint some prophets, but not everybody could, was able to receive the anointing, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit would go out and he would come back in again. And so God would send the Holy Spirit on King David and then he would send his spirit out on somebody else and he would send his spirit out on a prophet. But the Holy Spirit would always have to return back home. Isn't that a cool, cool thought? Verse 10. 
The Bible says, and he waited, and yet another seven days. Again, the word seven in there. And again, he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had recited from the earth. And so he waited yet another seven days, and he sent the dove out, which did not return again to him. I think that this is a beautiful explanation, where I, and, and I like the word olive. Why does the speak about an olive clove or an olive leaf? Because the olive, we all understand, represents anointing. Where do we get the anointing oil from? From the olive. Who can say amen? Oil represents anointing. So we find here the second uh, symbol of the Holy Spirit coming on the earth. Noah's time, he sent him out. The olive returned again to the boat, but this time having an olive in its mouth. So Jesus was sent to the earth. And the only place now where, where the Holy Spirit could really work and, and, and demonstrate himself powerfully was through Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Who agrees? The olive tree uh, represents the anointing. Jesus was anointed. The Holy Spirit came as a dove upon Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. Yeah. But yet, in that time, the Holy Spirit still could not find a home to stay in. He was upon Jesus, yes, but then he, you know, had to go back again. He couldn't get this place of final rest. And then the third time, after another seven days, when Noah sent the dove out, well, guess what happened? The dove went out and didn't return. So this is the dispensation that we are living in right now, is where the Holy Spirit had been sent out. The Holy Spirit has been, the commandment went from Jesus towards us, and He said, right, because of what I have done on the cross... Because that which, what, what happened, you know, in the days of Noah, all the rubbish and the stuff. Well, whatever happened back then, God says, now I sent my son Jesus. He died on the cross. He, he, he made everything right for us. We are now in right standing because of Jesus. Now I can send my Holy Spirit and he can now finally have his resting place in us. Come on, isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit can live inside of us and make His home inside of us. So in the book of John, we find, and, I, and I'd like you to read this with me. Is anybody getting this with me? I like that when I discovered this. I thought this was cool. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Can somebody say, mm-hmm. God anointed Jesus with power to go and do good, right? Now God comes and, and he, uh, he brings us this power as well. In John, uh, uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, uh, you know, I, I find this interesting. It says, so Jesus said to his disciples that he was talking to now, he said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now he's speaking to his disciples. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you also. Now watch verse 22. Something happened. And then he, when he said this, he breathed on them 
And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the first mention in the Bible where Jesus now breathes, like in Genesis when God breathed into Adam. Who remembers that? The Holy Ghost Ruach came into Adam. Now Jesus breathes on his disciples. I believe this is where the disciples experienced the born again uh, experience. Hello? The, this is where the disciples got saved. When Jesus breathed on them, the Holy Spirit came in them like you and I would receive Christ into our hearts with salvation. So he breathed on them. Many times we would find, you know, when I'm ministering, maybe you've seen me one or two, you see other people. Not, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes under the anointing, I would just blow gently on somebody as a symbolic meaning of receiving the Holy Spirit. Hello? It's not a blowing anointing. <laughs> I've heard some people say, I have a blowing anointing. No, you don't. Okay. Thanks for that one. <laughs> Jesus breathed on the disciples. They received salvation. Now it doesn't end there. Now that they are saved, Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to them before he was taken up into heaven, you guys are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? Why do I want this power? So that we can do the works that Jesus did. This is what I've been teaching on. And then in Acts chapter 2, Acts 1.8 comes into fulfillment, then the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, when they were all in one accord, the Holy Spirit came upon the people. Who remembers that? And now they receive the baptism, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Who, who got something tonight out of all of this? So where does that leave you and I? Do we just again lay hands on you to say, God bless you, Get, you know, just get a goosebump out of all of this. No, we want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to end with this verse in Luke chapter 4. I'm trusting God for the supernatural tonight to happen to you again. All right, only Stephen agreed with that one. I said, I'm trusting God for the supernatural tonight. That God will do something on you, all right? Watch this in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Why? Am I going to lay hands on you? Well, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on, look at it on the board there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. To recover, or, or sorry, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. How many of you have been coming every day so far, every meeting? Do you remember First Thessalonians? Last scripture, please. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Because what I just read now is so powerfully in line with this why Jesus received the Holy Spirit and then why you and I need the Holy Spirit. What does 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 say? It says, Paul writes there, if I'm just going to wait for it to come on, Paul's, uh, 
For our gospel, verse 5, did not come to you, our gospel. So what does this say? I'm going to read it because I know there's two different verses. Yeah, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Right? Now he says, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Am I, am I summing it up? It's all coming together now, hopefully, like a big puzzle. <laughs> we, we're not here to get saved only. Salvation is baby step number one. We get saved, sure, we're going to go to heaven, bless God. But now, the gospel needs to be proclaimed. The gospel is not to be proclaimed through me only, all of us. All of us. And to have a confidence in my testimony. To have a confidence in my witnessing. Because not all of us are called to stand in the pulpit. But we all are called to testify. We are all called to be a witness. Can you say amen? Yes, you are. You are a witness. And you have to be a witness. I'm going to say it again. You must witness for Jesus. You must witness. You must witness. When I married Shemaine, why do we have a public thing when we get married? Why do we invite our friends and our family to join our wedding feast? Because we want the people to know who we've married. Help me who understands that. I'm proud of my wife. And I want everybody to see this prize that God has given me. Right? I want to brag on what God gave me, my beautiful wife, and I'm going to stick with her for, forever. But the same applies in salvation. I'm married to Jesus. Now I want to share Jesus with the whole world. Shake your head if you agree. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I married. I'm proud of what God gave me. Now, when I have to receive this, this confidence, he says the gospel is now what? He says not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. That word, the much assurance, means confidence. That we can have the confidence in Christ to prove that what we believe in is real and the gospel that we're preaching is real. How do we do that? By the demonstration of the power because of the Holy Spirit. Give him praise if you agree with me. Hallelujah. This is our job. Amen. This is our job. It's not Dion Hockey's job. It's not, hey, maybe, you know, Stephen's got an anointing or, or you know, someone else has got an anointing. And no, you're all anointed. You are all called. You're all destined. God has something big inside of you. A glory that is yet to be revealed. Father, we thank you tonight for what I have spoken on. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to help us, to remain, uh, remind us, to teach us. Thank you for revelation, knowledge, and insight. But most of all, Father, thank you for boldness. Lord, if you don't touch your people, nothing's going to happen.
Lord, if you don't minister to your people, nothing's going to happen. Lord, every year for the last eight years we've been coming to this church. I've been laying hands. I've seen children growing up and becoming men and women. I've seen kids in this church, Lord, become fathers and mothers now. Lord, there is a group of of people in this church who've been walking a path with me as they have with Pastor James. But Lord, there is this, there is this, this cry of you, Lord, for the people to rise up and to be more effective in their witnessing. I'm asking you tonight, Lord, that if, when I lay hands on your people, that you will fill them again with the Holy Spirit. Lord, Ephesians chapter 5, 16 says that we must not be drunk on wine in which is dissipation, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't need alcohol to be happy. We don't need stuff of the world to enjoy life. You give us the Holy Ghost, Lord, to empower us. And Lord, the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, there is no greater addiction than the mighty name of Jesus. When we see a person who is going to die and go to hell, get saved. Lord, there is no greater addiction than winning souls for you. There is no greater addiction than seeing a cripple get healed. Or to see a blind eye open or a deaf ear hear, Lord. And I'm, I'm asking you tonight, Father that you will minister to this audience who love you, Lord. I know they do. That's why they're here. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you will empower them again and again and again until that assurance will rise up inside of them, until that confidence will rise up inside of them, Father, where we don't have to beg, Lord, but where people will just go. They'll just do it because it's for you, not for a church and not for a man, but for your kingdom. So help me, Lord, tonight. Baptize your people with a fresh anointing in Jesus' name. Those who agree with me, say amen. Amen. How many of you know we love you? Who's hungry for more anointing? Before I do that, though, I just felt in the beginning of the service, over here on this side and on this side. Now, I don't know if that's where your kidneys are, but is there somebody having pain at this point of time right over here? Is there somebody here like that? I would like to pray with you and ask God to heal you from whatever that condition is. Is there anybody here like that? Please come. Can you, uh, Holy Spirit, though, you, hmm? yeah, you, is that what you were going to play? You are welcome here. Is that true, man? How do I know that this, this pain was here tonight? How do I know that? That's right. God still speaks to us. I'm saying that purposely that somebody out there can hear. I did not, at the beginning of the service, slip you a $20 note and say, let's make up a story here. 
to impress the people. Because that's what people say. How many of you know that's another form of grieving the Holy Spirit? They say, well, it's all, a, it's all fake. What is wrong with your back? You have pain there? Damage? What did the doctor say? To your spine? Since you were born? Golly. Well, that's horrible. I mean, to walk around with pain all, all your life long. Would you stretch your hands out, church, and would you believe with me? This precious lady has been suffering from birth. Think about it, from birth. And Lord, I'm asking you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, through the laying on of my hands, out of obedience to the scripture, and as a demonstration to this audience, that you, Jesus, are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you would heal this precious lady in her back right now. I ask you, Father, that every vertebrae, every muscle, every tendon, and all damage that has come to the spine will be supernaturally healed in Jesus' name. By the power and the authority given to me, Lord, I bind this infirmity. We rebuke this condition. Loose her now in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Father, to place within her a brand new spinal cord, Lord. New vertebrae, Lord. That all the pain would leave her body right now. Right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. That, Lord, for many years she's been suffering from this. And I'm asking you tonight, Lord, that she will go home and she will be pain-free. And not for one minute or one hour or one day, but she'll be free forever. In the name of Jesus. Heal her, Lord. And set her free. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I know you're a lady of faith. Yes. But honestly, you had pain when you came up? Did you have pain? Yes, I've still got it. You feel the pain now still there? Father, we ask you to take that pain away. By the authority in Jesus' name. We thank you that she believes and receives this miracle. Yes. I know she does, Lord. We come in agreement. And we thank you that she will feel no more pain, Lord. It's been years, Lord. I ask you in, your, in, in Jesus' name, set her free right now. Right now. And we thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for our sister alone. And she also has heard her back, Father, working with the kids, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we rebuke this condition. I rebuke this pain in her back. Loose her now. Every hurt, go. Every injury, Father, go. In Jesus' name. And we release your divine healing. Lord, she came forward with pain. I ask that she'll go back without any pain. That she'll be able to do what she needs to do. Both of them, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everything go right now. You had pain, ma'am, when you came up? Do you feel pain now? Lord, everything. Come on, family. Let's all stand. I want you to stand and believe with me tonight. In the name of Jesus.
We thank you for your healing anointing. We thank you for your healing anointing. Set, her, set them both free. We'll have them here testify of what you are doing in Jesus' name. Those who believe with me says, Amen. Amen. Secondly, is there somebody here who has a, a blockage in your ear with a ringing as well in your ear? Tinnitus or a deafness in your ear. Is there somebody here like that who is struggling with your ear? Would you quickly come down here? I would love to pray with you. This is your week. Amen. Come on closer. This is your week. Which ear is it? Is it open or closed right now? It's actually fairly open at the moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. I rebuke the tinnitus, I
if you feel God's finished. Father, we stand in the gap for Sharon, who has fallen off a horse and damaged her ear. And Lord, tonight, as a, as a congregation that is full of faith, Lord, we stand in the gap and we intercede on behalf of Sharon. And we ask you, Lord, that you would cause hearing to come to her ear. We bind that spirit of infirmity. We rebuke that sickness and that disease in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask you now that you would bring supernatural healing to her ear. There where she's at home, Lord, open her ear in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for a good report that we will have in Jesus' name. And those who believe, say amen. not itching anymore. It's gone. Somebody give God praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's the healer. Come on, say it again. God's the healer. Jesus Christ is the healer. Man cannot heal, right? Only God can heal. Amen. How many of you need a healing in your body right now? Who needs a healing touch? Quickly stand on this side, everybody who needs a healing touch on this side. Wow. Golly. a lot more than I expected. Stephen, I want you to minister with me. Pastor James, will you help me? It's a lot of people. How many of you understand God wants to touch these people tonight? So for the rest of the audience, I know I said we're going to ask the Lord to anoint you. So I don't have to lay hands. All of you quickly lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder next to you. Just help me. Come on, lay your hands quickly on somebody's shoulder. We're going to lay hands on you in front here, but for the rest of the church. Father, you are the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. You are the one who anoints. And Lord, you see the need up front here. Lord, there's so many people who have come believing you for a healing touch. But Lord, I said that we're going to ask you to baptize people with the Holy Spirit again tonight. So I lay hands, Father, as we lay hands on each other. It's just as good as I'm laying hands on them. 
And I'm asking you now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, your Son, to baptize each and every person here with the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord, to do it right now in Jesus' name. I ask you, Father, that people will begin to speak in other tongues as you give them uh, the, the evidence, Father God. I ask you that you'll empower them to go out and to do the miraculous. I ask you, Father God, that you'll use each and every individual in this room in the name of Jesus. Fill them right now, Lord. Baptize them right now in the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. If you, if you can speak in tongues, come on, let's all begin to pray in the Spirit right now as we believe God for that baptism on the one you are laying hands on. Come on, let's pray. If you find you're standing there and these strange words are coming out of your mouth, don't be scared about that. Just begin to speak that language. Speak that language by faith. Yesu pronunda le biese prenendere baha hangro gosse tiende. Reba baba su pronunda le biese gregini. Fill your people, Lord. Baptize your people this evening, Lord. Baptize these young ones, Father. Baptize each and every man and woman that is coming to this room in Jesus' name. Come on, pray. Pray fervently. Ask the Lord. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him now for that baptism in Jesus' name. Basse prenenda la rabaja hambra gasu pronundo rorirese trenende. Ki rabababasu pronoste le biese prenende. Don't be afraid of what you can't understand you're saying. It's normal. Just speak by faith. Speak those words by faith. It's okay. Your mind's not going to understand that, but the Bible is clear on this. Just speak those words by faith. Come on, I dare you. I dare you to speak a little bit louder. I dare you to draw from the well inside of you. Begin to speak out by faith. Not in English. Speak in the heavenly language God gives you tonight. Receive that anointing that was on Jesus. You and I receive that same anointing tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you that by faith we believe that you have baptized people tonight. Now, Lord, we send them out of this room into the missions field. Lord, we don't have to go to India to be a missionary. We are missionaries here in Gladstone. We are to witness to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, Father, our school friends, Lord. We need to witness to them. I'm asking you now, Father, that this confidence, this assurance of who we are in Christ will come forth boldly tomorrow in Jesus' name. Bless your people. And Father, as we're about to dismiss this meeting, I also ask you, Lord, that you will send your angels to be encamped around each and every person here tonight. I ask you, Father, that Satan will not steal from any person in this room. I plead the blood of Jesus over us, Father. I thank you for your anointing that you've given us tonight. 
I ask you, Lord, it's early. We can have an early night, go to sleep, have a good rest, wake up refreshed tomorrow, evangelize while we're doing our work, and tomorrow night have a full house, Lord. I ask you tomorrow night, Lord, everybody hear what I'm praying. I ask you, Father, that we'll see at least 20 or 30 people get saved tomorrow night. That this people will go out and bring others in, Lord. If you agree with that, say amen. In Jesus' name we ask this, Father. Amen. Those of you who want to go home, shalom. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night. Come early. It's going to be packed out. Hallelujah. Okay, thanks for that. Amen. Come on. It's going to be packed out. We're going to have a full house tomorrow night. All you, you uh, guys who need a healing, just come and stand in line. I'm going to ask Stephen, Pastor Malcolm. Where's Pastor Malcolm? Is he? Oh, you're in the healing line. <laughs> Stephen, where's Stephen? My son Stephen's going to minister with me. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Everybody say this with me up front. Say, I believe when hands are laid on me, the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus will heal me from my infirmity. There is nothing too big that God cannot heal. God I believe you to heal me right now in Jesus' name. I believe it. I receive it in Jesus' name. I cast out all fear, all doubt, and all unbelief. I don't look to a man, but I look to you, Jesus. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. My trust, my hope, is in you and you alone. Now I believe God. The moment hands touch me, I will be healed by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, pastors, and begin to minister.